0: at it. Today is Monday, January 4th, the beginning of the first official work week of 2021. We were very fortunate this year that January 1st fell on a Friday, so we rolled right into the weekend, and this is the probably the first day that most of us are going back to work. And what a work week it's going to be, as this Wednesday, just two days from now, is January 6th that all-important day I've been telling you about where the election really is determined, where the votes are certified in Congress in Washington, D.C. Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another episode, another podcast of National Preview Online, NPO, and your iTunes App Store and Google Play Store. If you have not already done so, Please subscribe to the show by going to either of those two places and simply subscribing when you go to the Play Store or the App Store. You will be notified automatically whenever a new episode is uploaded to the web. Uh, There is no fee involved. If for some reason you prefer not to use the native podcast aggregator apps in either of those two operating systems, simply go to those stores and download the free Podbean app. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N podbean podbean.com is the hosting service that myself and other podcasters use you can subscribe there and it's also free and you will also be notified of new episodes regardless of how and where you subscribe we do encourage you to listen and we do ask of you one small favor please leave reviews and ratings of the show give us a good review a five-star review is our is our goal the higher we're rated and the more ratings we get the more frequently we will appear in searches in either the App Store or the Google Play Store when people are looking for podcasts and news commentary, and that's how the show will grow. We've been experiencing great growth in listenership in places around the world. Believe it or not, we're getting traction in Australia, where the conservative movement is growing there, uh, because down in the um, South Pacific, that part of the world, uh, China is flexing its military muscles, and Australia would come under their thumb, no doubt, uh, if China were to advance their plans of uh, taking dominance of the, of the Pacific Rim. Uh, no doubt that should be no surprise to anyone why so many Australians are supporting President Trump, because they recognize that a strong U.S. president, a strong U.S. foreign policy is essential to their continued national security. But what if President Trump isn't the president? The media is telling you he lost. And there's no basis for any of this. This has been the constant theme that we've been hearing since Election Day. I watched something the other day. Now that that he's trying to fight for his presidency, now they're saying that what he may be doing may be criminal. Why is it criminal? Nothing is official. Why can't he object to fraud? He has the evidence. No one has ruled on any evidence. Everybody seems to forget that. Oh, the courts have thrown out. No, the courts have punted.
1: No court has ruled. They've either ruled that it's too late. It's not timely. uh, The wrong
0: party is being sued. Or in the case of the Supreme Court, in the most contemptible fashion, Um, nobody has standing to bring these cases. Well, let's unpack all this right now in the next few minutes and try and bring up your expectations to speed as to what is at stake here uh, and what you can expect tomorrow. First of all, let's go with the Supreme Court. There was a very, very valid case suit brought before the court, a petition. The state of Texas, joined by a host of other states said that they wanted to challenge the election results in the other states because it was their belief that the elections were conducted in a manner uh, in contravention to the Constitution of the United States as it speaks to the issue of elections. Equal Protection Clause violated, so forth. And as such, fraudulent votes were allowed to be cast, duplicate votes were allowed to be cast which is a form of fraudulent vote and as such the election was affected meaning that fraudulent votes allowed a particular candidate to amass the electoral votes in that state thereby diluting the very valid votes conducted in the state of Texas and elsewhere the common thread in all this is that all these fraudulent votes took place all these irregularities took place in states where dominion voting machines were used. That was the common thread. Texas, to its credit, got rid of Dominion because they realized it was not a secure system. And the Supreme Court said to the state of Texas and the other states who joined, you don't have standing to bring this lawsuit. What does that mean? What is standing? Standing is a fancy legal term saying you don't have a right, you don't have an an issue, you're not a party to to the action. In other words, in certain areas, abused children, let's say, um, the state can take action on behalf of a child. It acts as a surrogate complainant. But if you wanted to sue someone because they were abusing their child, you couldn't do that. You don't have standing. The child could sue maybe if they were above a certain age. The state could sue on the child's behalf, perhaps. But you have no standing. You can't say anything about it. Well, Every state, by virtue of being a state, has standing to sue another state in the United States Supreme Court. We've discussed this. I discussed this last year in December. In fact, the U.S. Supreme Court is the court of original jurisdiction to settle disputes between the states. There's no place else for them to go. A suit between the state of Pennsylvania and the state of Texas, for instance, where is that suit going to be litigated if not in the United States Supreme Court? In a court in Pennsylvania? which is surely biased to the state interests of Pennsylvania, or a court in Texas, a state court in Texas, biased to the interests of the state of Texas? Or are we going to litigate it in a federal district court? Well, Pennsylvania and Texas fall into two federal, different federal circuits, so the district courts would be different. So they can't litigate them in separate district courts. They'd have to come together to a circuit court, but they're in different circuits. In any event, not only is that not satisfactory, it's not what's prescribed by the Constitution. They're supposed to go to the Supreme Court, which is why Justice Alito very correctly dissented that we don't have discretion in this matter. I'm not saying that we have to decide one way or the other. I'm not saying we have to decide in favor of the state of Texas, but we we have to at least look at it because we have no choice. But they didn't. And all the while, the mainstream media keeps talking about no evidence, no evidence, no evidence, no evidence, no evidence, hoping if they say it enough, as I've said before, that they'll believe it. Well, let's look at this no evidence. And let's just look at two states for the purpose of today's broadcast. Well, I'll make cursory mentions of the other states. In Nevada, excuse me while I sip my coffee. I didn't have enough today. Um, In Nevada, the Trump campaign has evidence which no court has looked at because they won't hear it. That 40,000 people voted twice. The margin of victory is 12,000 votes. If they voted twice, you know who they voted for. That's a 20,000 margin right there. You know that the state of Nevada would go to President Trump. That has 11 votes. Okay? I'm going to present to you new evidence of fraud in the state of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania has 20 votes. Now we're up to 31. Everybody with me? We also have fraud in the state of Georgia.
1: Georgia has 16 votes. That's 47. Do the
0: math. 232, which Trump has now, plus 47 gives you 279, and he's the president. Even without Nevada, he still has 273 and he's the president. There's also rumblings of things going on in Wisconsin, and there's still issues in Michigan. But let's just talk about some latest developments in Georgia and Pennsylvania, because those two two states alone, if flipped, would give the election to Donald Trump. So let me go over a few things. Georgia election data now indicates that more than 30,000 votes were removed From President Donald Trump, and another 12,173 votes were switched to Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden. This we learned from data scientists who testified on December 30th on penalty of perjury before a state Senate hearing. These are not just simply affidavits given to lawyers, these are sworn statements made before, sworn testimony rather, made before a state Senate hearing. A woman named Linda McLaughlin from the Data Integrity Group, along with a couple of scientists by the name of Justin Mealy and David Labou, were called to present results before the Georgia Senate Judiciary Subcommittee on Elections. Now, Mr. Mealy had worked as an electronic warfare technician in the U.S. Navy, Uh, for a number of years, and was a former CIA contractor as a data analyst and programmer for a national counterterrorism center. Currently works for one of the big four accounting firms as a programmer. Mr. Laboo is a data scientist, and he has over a decade of experience in a number of industries. Now, according to Mr. Mealy, he states that what we have here is actually fraud that we can prove in this election that there was fraud in Georgia's election and we can prove it with data. The voting will of the people of Georgia is not reflected in what was certified by the Secretary of State. Now, according to this analysis, and I mentioned this last week, but I'm mentioning it again today, which was published online as early as December 24th, the time series election data shows that Trump votes were decrementing in various counties Instead of increasing as they normally do, at least 30,593 votes were allegedly moved from Trump as a result, including 17,650 in Dougherty County, 7,008 votes in Dodge County, and 5,930 votes in Putnam County. Now, this is more particular information than I gave you, I believe, the other day because it's coming in. We're now getting it actually what counties it took place in and how many were in each county. This is very interesting. They're saying that a clear example of vote switching happened in Bibb County. At 9:11 p.m., local time, Trump received 29,391 votes as Biden simultaneously received 17,218. However, in the next reported time update, Trump's votes became 17218 that was Biden's total, while Biden's were changed to 29391. How does this happen? In this single event, 12,173 votes were switched. That's just in this one event. We're not talking about what happened in other counties that I just mentioned. And when you consider that the state-certified election results show that the margin of victory was only 12,670, I think 12,173 votes being switched in one fell swoop with God knows how many other switcheroos taking place in the other counties I mentioned, is substantial and definitely should warrant a
1: full-fledged audit. Now, that's just in Georgia. That's just in Georgia. Let's go on to Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania now... Over
0: 432,000 votes were removed from Trump in Pennsylvania, the data scientists say. This is the same data group. They've done an analysis of Pennsylvania and they've got specific counties. So they know what they know. This is not just someone's flight of fancy. According to the analysis by this same data integrity group, votes for Trump from both the election day votes that were cast and the mail-in ballots were removed from the totals in at least 15 counties. 432,000 votes. This is a state that was decided by how many? 80,000 votes. And we've got 432 times, almost five times the number of the margin of victory taken from Trump. The group said, that on election day, vote removals, removals happened during the vote tabulation process in at least fifteen counties in the state of Pennsylvania: Lay County, Chester County, Allegheny, Armstrong, Westmoreland, Northampton, Delaware, Montgomery, Lackawanna,
1: Dauphin, Pike, Carbon, Washington, Erie, and Luzerne County. Meanwhile. Additionally, absentee vote removals happened in Allegheny, Chester, and
0: Leigh. At least 432,116 votes, and they even have a breakdown for you, 213,707 election day votes, that means people who showed up that day and voted in person, and 218,409 absentee votes were removed from the total. They go on to state, and this is very important, There were vote movements across all candidates in the election. However, we did not see the same type of negative decrements to any of the other candidates that we saw with President Trump's tallies. And they happened repeatedly, with no explanation. That's a quote from Linda McLaughlin, a member of the group the Pennsylvania Secretary of State's office did not respond
1: to any request for comment now you go look at mainstream media you
0: listen to the nightly news you listen even to fox news you won't hear these stories no one refuses no one was willing to cover it they all refuse to cover it they think they can just sit on this stuff From November 3rd to January 20th, hope Joe Biden is in, and that's the end of it. Because ladies and gentlemen, as I've said before, a lot of people tell you different things. Once the president is sworn in, I don't care who he is, whether it's Donald Trump or whether it's Joe Biden, by hook or by crook, if Biden gets in on the 20th of January, he puts his hand on that Bible, he takes the oath, and they swear him in, that's it. The only way to get him out, you could prove on January 21st that all this was true. You could have Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer have an epiphany and say, I can't hold this any longer inside. I've got to come clean. I have to be clean with God. I have to face my judgment. It's true. We stole the election from Donald
1: Trump. Doesn't matter. Once he's sworn in, the only way to get rid of him is impeachment. And that doesn't automatically mean that Donald Trump becomes president. It
0: just means we have to go through the line of succession. He's impeached. He's removed. Now, because they're on the same fraudulent ticket, there would be a constitutional question as to whether or not Kamala Harris would become president under those circumstances, since she would be a party to the same infirmities that would result in Joe Biden's impeachment. And then it would be Nancy Pelosi. But Nancy Pelosi would be admitting, that in, this, in my hypothetical, that this is a problem. So we don't know how it would go. So the more important thing is to avoid these uncertainties is we have to have a
1: full and vigorous debate tomorrow, January 6th, in Congress. And that is all Trump has been asking for throughout this entire period. All he's been
0: asking for is his day in court. And he's been denied his day in court. But he's going to have it tomorrow. Mike Pence. Now, Mike Pence has been a very, very important figure in this drama. We had Louis Gohmert suing President Pence, Vice President Pence. Uh, It wasn't really a suit. And the courts were saying, we don't disagree with the suit. It's the wrong person. That's the way the Justice Department answered. They wanted clarification that Pence would have absolute authority to certify the electoral votes. Of course the Democrats trying to say that's not the case. But Mike Pence addressed the upcoming um electoral challenge. Now what he said was he's promising Republicans that we're going to have our day in court. He said, "Look, I know a lot of you have doubts about the election, but I promise you come this Wednesday we're going to have our day in Congress. We'll hear the objections, we'll hear the evidence. Uh but tomorrow is George's day." This was his comment while he was in Rock Springs, um, he was in Georgia, uh, Rock Springs Church, rather, in Milner, Georgia, where he was campaigning for the Senate runoff candidates. Now, I know a lot of you Georgians out there are so pissed off over what happened that you're thinking about not voting because you can't trust the process, but you just can't do that. You've got to vote regardless. We can try and continue to fight after, but you've got to come out in mass and vote to maintain control of that Senate in case God does not wave his mighty hand tomorrow and keep. President Trump in office.
1: Now, the role that Pence has, that the vice president has, um, came into sharp focus because of the aforementioned lawsuit by Louis Gohmert. Uh,
0: It was was filed by him to try and strike down one of the provisions of the Electoral Count Act of 1887. Uh, The lawsuit was dismissed. Uh, Gohmert was trying to say that Pence is empowered by the Constitution's 12th Amendment to reject state's electors who favored Biden. Now, Pence is not going to elaborate on that because he stands to benefit by striking down these electors he would remain as vice president. But he does have a constitutional role. So I think it's probably wise that Pence didn't make any comment. But there is going to be a big debate. And in the past, there have been debates. Um, when George W. Bush won the election in 2000, when the court, Supreme Court stepped in and said, you can't have the count the way you want it. You know, it's people don't realize with um, Gore Bush, the Democrats were claiming for years that Bush stole Florida. The fact of the matter is that five, no fewer than five newspapers, I believe, conducted their own private recounts after all was said and done, and none of them had Al Gore winning. As a matter of fact, the vote margin of victory only grew for George W. Bush. And everyone also seems to forget that Al Gore would not have needed the state of Florida to become president if he were only able to carry his own home state of Tennessee, which he lost to George W. Bush. So you really can't bitch too much there. To his credit, Donald Trump did not lose his home state because Donald Trump is now officially a resident of Florida, and he won it going away. He won it by more votes than Barack Obama did. He won it by more votes than Bush did. He won it by more votes than Clinton did. He crushed, he killed in Florida and Ohio. But Barbara Boxer, former senator from California, she challenged the electoral votes in Ohio that were in favor of George W. Bush. But there wasn't much support there. And I believe Maxine Waters tried to do the same thing uh, in 2016 uh, against Donald Trump. But here we have something very different. We have Senator Josh Hawley, who was the first one to come out. And he has 11 other senators now who are also going to object. They're not part of his movement, it's a separate movement. They're demanding, those 11 senators, a full 10-day audit of everything to get to the bottom of this and to hear evidence presented before a commission. Because people have to have faith in the elections or you have a banana republic. And there are almost, let well, last week there were over 40 members in the House. Now I'm told all totaled because the movement keeps growing. Every day more people add their names to the list. Between the Senate and the House, we have almost 100 members of the 535 members of Congress who are willing to voice objections to the certification of the electoral votes in these questionable states. And those questionable
1: states to remember are Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nevada, and Arizona. But we don't even need all of them. All we really need is Georgia and Pennsylvania. That would get us there, or would it? No, nope, Georgia and Pennsylvania wouldn't be enough. We would need um,
0: one more state. We would need one more state. We would need uh, Nevada probably, but we don't even have to get to 270. All we really have to do is prevent Joe Biden from getting to 270, and then the House of Representatives decides by a state delegation, one vote per state. 27 states controlled by the Republicans. We've talked about that. We know how that shakes out. So that's what
1: we're faced with tomorrow. But we're faced with a lot more than that. This morning I went for a a checkup. I have a very nice GP that I use up in Connecticut. Now, Connecticut's a blue state. There are a
0: lot more people that are worried about Joe Biden being president than you might think. So I was at the doctor's office today, and after he examined me, I went to the phlebotomist to have my blood drawn. You know, and people make assumptions. They see people, they make assumptions based on how people look. People are judgmental. They make assumptions on how people uh, dress. They make assumptions based on their ethnicity, based on their gender. as how people are going to think. I'm always interested in hearing what people have to say. So as I sat there and she took my blood, she wished me a happy new year. And I said, happy new year to you too. I I hope it's better than 2020 was. And she says, oh, oh, it will be. It will be, I'm sure. And she was a a lovely girl. I've I've, uh, had my blood drawn by her many times. Uh, I would put her in her early 30s African-American girl. Uh, people might make assumptions on that. But I was interested in hear what she had to say. So I teased it a little bit and said, well, I don't know. We've got a man who's about to be sworn in as president. And he, his first words out of his mouth were, our darkest days are ahead of us. I wanted to see what she would say. And she turned to me and said, I don't think he's going to be president. I think that Trump is going to remain president. Otherwise, it's going to be hello, Chinese Communist Party. And that was like a breath of fresh air to me. It reminds me why I do this show. Because I recognize, I talk to people, I listen to people, and I recognize that you can't judge books by the cover, that there is no monolithic uh, recipe you can apply to people. Everybody is an individual. And people with a divine spark that exists only in the minds of man and in no other form of life on this earth, when they have an open mind and they're out there working for a living and they see things with their own eyes and they hear things with their own ears that the mainstream media tries to tell them they didn't see or they didn't hear, they resent it. They resent it and they fight back and they strike back. And this girl is a very religious girl. She believes in God and she believes that God is not going to let Donald Trump be defeated. She
1: absolutely believes it. And it fortified me because I believe it too. You have to have faith. You have to have faith that at some point this is all going to come crumbling
0: down. Because believe me, ladies and gentlemen, this is the plan. Make no mistake about it. You recall I told you. Last year, I believe it was in October, one of my October shows, that I apologize for taking so long to realize it, but I found the nexus between the fake polls and the election. I told you that they wanted you to believe the polls because when this fraud came in, they would just say, well, you see, we told you it was going to happen after the election. Everything they told you that was going to happen didn't actually come true. They made it look like it came true because they wanted to cover their fraud. They knew they were going to engage in this fraud with duplicate ballots, ballots being run through the machine more than once. So they wanted to tell you, don't fear, because on election day, it's going to look like Trump is running away with it. But when all those mail-in ballots get counted, what they were really saying is when all those fraudulent ballots get counted after, don't worry, we'll have it. This is one of the main reasons why you shouldn't have this nonsense early voting, why you shouldn't have um, this mail-in voting. You should have an absentee ballot mailed to people who request them, not blanket ballots sent out to the voter rolls. And just to show you that they're not on the up and up, Stacey Abrams, the woman who lost the governor's race in Georgia but still thinks she won it. Uh, who did all this work in Georgia to register people who were dead, um, get them out of the grave to vote and have people vote twice. When Republicans in the state, I reported this last week, went to sue in federal court to have the voter rolls stripped of these people that don't belong there, of Democrats that weren't really registered, that didn't live in the state anymore or who were dead, they were stopped by a federal judge. And guess who that federal judge was? Leslie Abrams. No, it's not coincidence. Leslie Abrams is the sister of Stacey Abrams. But does anybody ever ask the Democrats to recuse themselves? Don't you think that Leslie Abrams had a res- had an obligation to recuse herself from hearing this action since her sister was potentially the one who registered all these or was in- ran the organization that helped register all these people? It was just too close to home. You know, as a friend of mine once said, you know, when it came to the Russia hoax, uh, the, the Democrats were taking this so far that uh, if you had Russian dressing on your salad, you had to recuse yourself from anything having to do with the Russia investigation. That may sound like a joke, and, and it is, but it, it's not far from the truth. It's ridiculous. Everything that they're trying to accuse Donald Trump of doing, they did. They tried to accuse him of having, a ru- of having collusion with the Russians, they colluded with the Russians. Hillary Clinton paid for that dossier, and that dossier was the sole basis for that Russia investigation. That was it. Hillary Clinton knew she was in trouble. They took 30 devices. They took hammers to them after they were issued subpoenas by the government to turn them over. You try that. See where you end up. You'll end up in handcuffs in jail, destruction of evidence, obstruction of justice. Federal government is a big fan of obstruction of justice. Take it from me. They use it. Like, a, like a, um, a fire extinguisher or a fire axe. They pull it out of the case. Anytime they don't have anything going their way, oh, obstruction of justice, boom, and you're done. You're done. They tried to say that Trump should be impeached because he made a bad phone call. He asked the president of the Ukraine to investigate something. Well, Donald Trump has an obligation to make sure he's not giving money to corrupt governments. That's what they said, he said. But when you look at the phone call and listen to the actual recording, none of what they said in this doctored transcript they created did Donald Trump say in the actual call. Meanwhile, we have videotape, videotape of Joe Biden, not only admitting that he did it, but bragging about it, that how he went to the Ukraine at the behest of Barack Obama, and he was going to give them a billion dollars in aid, but he started putting conditions on it. But wait, Your prosecutor is investigating my son, Hunter, for corruption. Uh, If he's not fired, you're not getting your billion dollars. You can't do that. You're not the president. I said, well, call him. And what do you know? Son of a bitch. The prosecutor was fired. So Joe Biden can admit that he personally held up a billion dollars of aid to the Ukraine until they fired the prosecutor who was investigating his son, but he didn't do anything wrong. Donald Trump didn't do anything of the kind, didn't say anything of the kind, but that piece of garbage, that pencil-neck little punk, Adam Schiff, says that he did, and he's supposed to be impeached, and they failed. Then they cooked up this COVID-19 virus. More on that. They've got everybody snowballed with this COVID-19 virus, by the way. My doctor is a nice man. I love him. And I asked him, I told him that I thought it was all a crock. He said, well, why do you say that? A lot of people have died. I says, doc, I'm a numbers man. I says, over 120 million people have had this virus in the United States. We've got 290,000 dead and 2.0, not 2.0, uh, 94% of them had on average 2.6 other comorbidities. Only 6% of the people were in otherwise good health, 16,000 people. I said, it still translates anyway. you slice it into a 99% recovery rate. I'm not too afraid of a disease that has a 99% recovery rate. I said, I don't know any cancers that have a 99% recovery rate. If I've got to get something, please give me COVID. He said, well, you got to get the vaccines because uh, that's how we keep other people safe that, you know, that might be at risk. I said, well, Doc, I disagree. Again, if the people who are at risk the elderly, the people with the comorbidities, if they all take the vaccine, they're protected. So if they take the vaccine and they're protected, how am I putting anybody at risk by not taking it? He said, well, that's a good point. I said, I think so. I said, you're telling me that I have to take the vaccine because somebody else who's at risk has some other condition, they can't take it. I said, that's stretching personal freedoms a little bit, isn't it? But this was all part of the plan, ladies and gentlemen. This COVID nonsense was all designed to make Donald Trump look bad. It was all designed to make the Democrats look good. They wanted to crash the economy. You had this Fauci who's a piece of garbage. He hasn't seen a patient in 40 years. He's out there hawking millions of people dead. We haven't had millions of people dead. What we do have are two vaccines in a record nine months, unprecedented, And we've only got it because of Donald Trump. And I read idiots making posts on Facebook saying, thank you, uh, President Biden, for getting us the vaccine. This guy doesn't even know he's alive, let alone anything about a vaccine. He's done nothing for it. But the news media has people believing that Trump had nothing to do with this vaccine. He's the only reason why you have it. He's the only reason why you have it. He's the only reason why China is back on its heels. He's the only reason why the economy has been so good these past four years.
1: All of my businesses, I had two other businesses beside this podcast, were doing extremely well
0: under Donald Trump. They were crippled this past year, and not because of Donald Trump, but because of actions by idiot governors, Democrats. We have the uh, Il Duce, Benito Cuomo in New York State, thinks it's a good idea to put Drug addicts at the front of the line, give them the COVID-19 vaccine. Screw the elderly. They consume too many resources. Let's get those drug dealers up to speed. Keep them safe so they can keep shooting up. This is what you have running the state. That was in Pennsylvania over the holiday weekend. No in-person dining anywhere in the state of Pennsylvania. Do you know what I did? I went to all the one-off places that were offering dining in defiance Of suppression of liberty. Now, chains wouldn't do it because they could lose their franchise, but there were one off diners that were doing it. More than happy to go there and spend my money with them and help them and support them. It's about time you rise up. What's happening here is people have been pushed to the brink. These Democrats are overplaying their hand. Eventually, it's going to come out that everything that Donald Trump was alleging is true, that there is fraud, there was fraud. And the election was stolen. Sooner or later, it's going to come out. They can't suppress it forever because it's just too massive. The laws of mathematics prove it. And when you do something like that, and you've got 73 million people who have their undying loyalty to a candidate who, in many cases, rescued them from, from obscurity and from poverty, the forgotten masses in places like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio,
1: when you push people to the point where they have no choice, dangerous things can happen. Yes, I recognize that there may be riots if for some reason
0: those electoral votes aren't certified and Donald Trump is restored to the presidency on January 20th. I realize there'll be riots. But there'll be riots with a man in
1: office who can put them down. Because law-abiding people know what time it is. What I worry about is when the idiot should get in office with the communist that's backing him up as VP. What happens then? What happens then? Watch how
0: quickly the same voices that said we shouldn't use the U.S. military The same voices that said we shouldn't let the police wear riot helmets. The same voices that wouldn't let the police use the mounted or the canine units. The same voices, basically, that wouldn't allow the power and authority of government to be used against thugs and rioters, is somehow going to become perfectly acceptable to use against people on the right who are defending the integrity of United States elections and upholding the United States
1: Constitution. Because when it comes to the Democrats, the ends justify the means. That's all they care about. That's all they've ever cared about. There'll be a massive rally
0: in Washington, D.C. on the 6th in support of Donald Trump. And it's more than just a rally in
1: support of Donald Trump. It's a rally in support of American sovereignty and liberty. Lend your voices to it,
0: either in person or through your phone calls and your letters to your congressmen and your senators. Tell them you won't stand up for it. Fight back. Fight back. Remember the words of Charles M. Russell from Montana, 1926. Guard, protect, and cherish your land, for there is no afterlife for a place that started out as heaven. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.